0: Welcome to the Feel Good Parenthood podcast, your go-to mum crew for all things parenting. I'm Courtney, the no-nonsense, cut-the-fluff, multitasking gin enthusiast. I'm Steph, your source for zero-bullshit advice, coffee lover
1: and eye rolls. And I'm Emma, the woo-mummer of the group juggling snacks and deadlines. We're keeping it sweary and messy with a good dose of tips and tricks that you can act try at home, because let's face it, if we can't laugh at the chaos, we are probably going to cry.
0: So grab your coffee, hide in the closet if you need to, no judgment from us, and join us every week for your dose of feel-good parenthood. Let's dive in. Hello, welcome back to
1: episode 35 of the podcast. I can't believe that we got here
0: already. I know, (laughs) it's really clicking along, isn't it?
1: (laughs) It is, it is. It is. Um, you have both uh, myself, Emma and Steph today and we are going to try, I don't know how we're going to try, <laughs> but we'll try not to get too ranty um, but we are going to tackle the topic today of night waking for I guess babies and small children really mm. um, because as crazy as it sounds I even when I say it, I just kind of go how is it but it is a really controversial topic like mm-hmm. there is this, it's biological like biologically normal for babies to wake all the time and like there's just no variation on that to like mm-hmm. now they should just sleep through the night 12 hours from six months
0: yeah like my <laughs> former is still not sleeping through the night what am I doing wrong they're broken <laughs>
1: yeah yeah um so we were actually just chatting I guess about how we want to talk about this because I know as a mum like you can kind of get quite stressy about this sort of stuff Mm. as far as, like, is what is going on for me normal? And let's be honest, there is a whole heap of stuff that actually it's still shit, but it is normal to the, like, not normal basket. And Mm -hmm. I think either way, when we normalise... or or I guess try to take the sting out of like, you know, the newborn stage. Like I've heard so many people just be like, oh, the newborn stage is easy. And I go, well, you know, depends on what your newborn stage was really. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, you know, every every part of sleep development, I guess, can be tricky and confusing. And for Mm -hmm. you and I, like we've been down the deepest
0: of rabbit holes together. On mm-hmm. these we have oh <laughs> quite the journey <laughs> it's why we get so ranty together on this topic
1: <laughs> oh I know right like if we were to come and just play some of our voice notes to
0: each other <laughs> oh we could go on we about this literally, go, all yeah. <laughs> literally all day literally all day
1: um but yeah we're gonna start I guess um through talking about what's normal
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah um So it kind of only makes sense that we kind of work through from the beginning and
0: talk about those squishy little newborns, (laughs) sweet angels. We also just want to preface this by saying, guys, that like there is a lot of mixed information out there on Night Wakings, like Emma said, and we are coming to you from a very non-biased, non-judgmental. We've actually looked into this. We've read multiple books. We've worked with hundreds of different children over our careers. Um, I have just finished a course that goes through the actual research, the studies, the scientific studies on this. So you can take it with much less of a pinch of salt than what you would... I literally saw a TikTok yesterday of this woman. She had a 12-week-old giving people advice on how to get them sleeping through the night because her 12-week-old first baby was sleeping through the night. And I was just like, oh, man, this is so dangerous. Like not only for the mums who are waking up still every couple of hours, but also for the fact that you have no idea what you're talking about. Like don't. (laughs) So get it from here. I mean, you know,
1: motherhood does. It gives us so much experience to draw Mm. from. But I think with something that is, and, you know, and sleep is one of those things that is underplayed so much. Like Mm. I think it's actually documented as like one of the most overlooked causes of every single mental health condition that there is. And
0: multiple other health conditions as well. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. And because it is so important. So... mm. Like if you're taking sleep advice from somebody who is only basing it on their own experience, mm-hmm. there's yeah. a whole plethora of stuff mm-hmm. that's not even being looked at. Like, yes, I know for so you nuanced. and I, reading some of those, I'm I'm only mm-hmm. I'm not even going to name them because I actually mm-hmm. wouldn't want new mums to read them. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but some of those confrontational books about sleep and what it does. Mm-hmm. Like even for you and I, and I think we were already two or three years into our study, like. Mm-hmm it yep. was huge it was like yep. a holy fuck step this page. yeah like, yeah um yep. so yeah definitely be careful who you do get your information from um yes. and remember that it's all the gray area
0: it is it's and even even other area. sleep consultants like we're all biased by our own experiences as well like you know we we are we have to be like we've all got our own personal experience as well but yeah just just Be careful about where you're getting your advice from and just remember that everything on the internet is generally pretty generic anyway let's jump into it otherwise we're going to keep prefacing this by prefacing everything So, emma take us through the newborn stage what's normal for newborns yes let's talk about them squishy little things um so look
1: for newborns um i mean quite often people will talk about it is really normal for a newborn to be really really sleepy um Mm. and it can be quite normal for them to not be super super sleepy as well Mm. after the first few weeks yeah um I guess in saying that, like, there are lots of things that can happen early on, like jaundice and things like that, that, you know, they're still in the range of normal. Like jaundice is a very, very common condition for babies when they're born. But if your newborn is like if you're having to wait them for feeds and they are super, super sleepy, um, it is definitely something that you have to get checked out very early on generally speaking i would say probably most newborns like definitely over that 50 50 um mark are generally pretty sleepy when they're born and from around probably the three-ish weeks um we definitely see them start to hit that fussy stage and Mm. i talk all the time about this whole like Anyone that talks about you not supporting your newborn to sleep, just tell them to fuck off, basically. Yeah, like they're not 100%. producing sleep hormones. It mm-hmm. doesn't happen, doesn't start to happen until around the three month mark. So mm-hmm. in those first three months, creating a rhythm for them is generally needed to support them, but them being um, you know, kind of all over the shop in mm-hmm. their sleep and how long they'll sleep for, whether or not they'll link sleep cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they do get sensitive to the light. I know lots of people say they don't, but it is bullshit. They do. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm sure you've probably got five studies that you can refer to. Oh probably. <laughs> yeah. Um but light does trigger us to wake up. Mm-hmm. Um so you know that like that, I guess that normal fussing for a newborn. Like it, it is normal. Yeah. Um What I would say is probably not normal is um, when you start to get those hours and hours and hours of really crying, Mm. um, stressed. You know, colic that hasn't been diagnosed Mm. um, is just a doctor's cop-out for me. Yeah,
0: 100%, 100%. I don't know if I have to preface that one with anything, but it is like
1: if no one has come to you and said your baby has colic and it is caused by X, Mm -hmm then that's not a diagnosis for me. That's like me being diagnosed with IBS. Sorry, mate, we couldn't find anything. <laughs> yeah. You just keep shitting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just go and shit and vomit all you like and sorry, enjoy. we're out.
0: <laughs> yeah, we don't know
1: what's wrong with you. Just enjoy it. Go
0: take some gas and for yourself it, or and something. It I don't fucking Poly know. it
1: is, <laughs> is like the baby version of IBS. Yeah. Um, so you definitely have to look into those underlying causes. Um. But usually at around that sort of 12- 12-ish weeks mark you it, it is normal and developmentally normal for you start to see those sleep patterns changing a little bit some sleep cycles starting to consolidate maybe getting to you know those three or four five hourly stretches um of sleep as i just smashed my microphone um <laughs> and it's you know and it is Being that early on, it is still quite normal for them to only sleep in those two or three-hour blocks as well. Um, When I talk about the body clock kind of starting, I talk about it like... You can't do it with most cars these days, but you know, when you used to jump start like a manual car and it was like chug, chug, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it would get going. (laughs) Um, that's kind of our body clock and our hormones. It's not like we just go, Oh, we're going to start producing melatonin and now we're going to produce it at the right time for the right amount of time every day. Mm -hmm. Um, so it is still a bit erratic, um, Mm. but that is like it definitely all falls within those stages of normal,
0: yeah, and I think you know in terms of the newborns overnight like em said it is quite common for them to still be waking every two to three hours it is also very normal for them to be having eight nine ten twelve hour stretches with without waking at all for feeds it's normal for them to sort of have a feed and go straight back to sleep some people would constitute that as sleeping through the night anything Mm -hmm. more than six hours in this age bracket is considered sleeping through the night so that's with no wakes at all when they're not calling out at all that is considered sleeping through now if your newborn is waking up every two hours and is a awake for two hours and is having feeds and then not going straight back to sleep, things like that. It could either be that their days and nights are flipped around. So if the, the easiest way to tell if that's going on is that they will be sleeping all day and then are yeah. awake all night. <laughs> um, I think that there's a lot of sort of push that there's nothing that you can do to help newborns sleep. Like they can't mm. self-settle some. You can absolutely put them down and see what they'll do. Like oh, my 100%. kids- yeah, pe- and people don't realize that. So you can feed your baby, change their nappy, swaddle them, put them down and see what they do. If they fall asleep, happy days. If they start crying, pick them up and rock them to sleep and try again next time. Yeah, um yeah, that's something can... I work with
1: a lot of mm. clients on in yeah, that Yeah, absolutely. And I'm
0: talking from like
1: the first couple of weeks like yeah. It is and and, and it is okay as mm. a mum if you don't want to hold your baby for oh. every single
0: Legit. Legit. Like,
1: <laughs> yes, I know that we enjoy the cuddles and we love it and we can relax and all of these things, but sometimes you just want to have two arms to yourself, right, and for just sure. eat a meal yeah. with two hands or do for something. Sure. And that's okay.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and as you
1: said, you know, wrap them up, get them ready and pop them down and just see what they do. Yeah. Yeah. And if they don't, <laughs> maybe like, falling asleep on their own, that is quite happy and content is not a bad thing, people. No, and, and
0: and like thing. again, people people love to say that babies can't self-soothe. They can't self-soothe, which is the act of calming themselves down from an emotionally dysregulated state, but they yeah. can self-settle, which is the act of getting themselves from awake to asleep. That is a biological process. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna repeat that a biological process <laughs> that we actually have fuck all to do with yeah okay like we
1: can part of our like homeostasis like it's it's like breathing it's like breathing like saying i need to teach
0: my baby how to breathe yeah or or digest food or things things. yeah 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 Uh, like mm, they can do it and a lot of the time again it is very normal for newborns to still need a lot of assistance with that where they just want to be close so so normal but yes if they are quite wakeful overnight that can get really exhausting for you especially if you do have other children you don't have the capacity to sleep when the baby sleeps Mm -hmm. so like making sure that we're waking them up from naps like I wouldn't let naps go more than sort of three hours at that age I'd wake them up for a feed and sort of you know make sure that they're awake for a decent amount of time you can keep eyes on wake windows you can start to learn cues you can start to like get them up in the morning and take them outside so that there's some nice sunlight which is going to help their circadian rhythms to form you can start bedtime routines at this age like you can start giving them you know if you don't want to bath them every night then you can give them a bit of a sponge bath a baby massage chuck them into their sleep suit you know and and those make it nice and dark
1: and yeah just as good for mum as they are for the baby as well so good (laughs) so good yes You feel like you have some clue of what is going
0: on and like that you're doing something to help like I found in the early days for me that was so helpful because it also signaled to me that I was like Okay, I can start to wind down a little bit because this baby's about to go to bed. Yeah. Um, With newborns as well, I think it's also really important that we do know that it is very, very normal for them to have very late bedtime. So we're talking like yeah. 9, 10 p.m., yeah. 11 p.m., where they, will, uh, they may cluster feed for sort of, you know, from 5 till 9, for example, which is when yeah. they like feed, fall asleep, feed, fall asleep, feed, fall asleep kind of thing every sort of 20 minutes. And then yeah. if the and cluster feeding... Yeah,
1: I was just going to say on cluster feeding, like Mm. cluster feeding is 100% normal and it is Mm. not a sign that you don't have enough milk. Like no, for me, cluster feeding is communication Um, and the key times that it tends to happen is not your baby saying you don't have enough milk, it's your baby saying I'm about to hit a big-ass growth spurt and it's time to increase your milk supply in preparation for that so that when I get there, Mm. we're on the same playing
0: field and it's also that tanking up
1: that helps yeah that's
0: right and that's and that's what i was going to say like if the cluster Mm -hmm. feeding has been successful you will then likely see a pretty decent stretch of sleep so like anywhere between three to five hours if they are cluster feeding and then waking up every half an hour all night long that might be a problem and again that might be worth looking into with your lactation consultant um you know someone like that who is who does specialize in breastfeeding and i think as well We really jump quite quickly into saying like you do have enough milk and absolutely like all of the things. But some I've had quite a lot of clients lately that have given their babies a bottle of formula and they've gone from waking up every hour to sleeping longer stretches. So like it does happen. It yeah. does happen where you just don't quite have enough milk. I honestly feel like I didn't have enough milk with my second and third kids, and I think if I hadn't been so fucking stubborn and I'd just gone like, you know what, I'm just going to mix feed these kids, it might have it helped me. It's not the case for everybody, but if you feel – like that might be the case, please do get in touch with somebody because there are things that you can do to boost your milk supply. Okay, you can do stuff like that. If formula feeding is absolutely off the cards for you, that is so fine. But at the same time, if you only breastfeed once a day and the rest is formula, you are still breastfeeding your child.
1: Yeah, 100%. And if you are really passionate about exclusively breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. knowing like it is all in the preparation Um, Mm -hmm. Like our milk supply is hormonally driven the first Mm -hmm. few weeks um, and the supply and demand. So Mm -hmm. like if there is any time in your breastfeeding journey that is the most crucial in helping you establish and boost your milk supply, it is in the first three weeks. And after that, it does become hard. Um, mm-hmm. to boost your milk supply consistently. So yeah. making sure that, yeah, that you are getting prepared before the baby arrives, you know what you're mm-hmm. in for and you know that you're going to likely get a heap of shit advice at the hospital um, oh. to make sure that in those first three weeks you are actually doing what is biologically needed to establish yeah. that milk supply. Which is feeding so a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is, is on <laughs> demand. It's not, yeah. it's not stretching it out to three hours or anything no. like that. Um, you know their their stomachs are the size of a pea like that's mm. it digests pretty quickly yeah. um and it's it is all just a bit of surrender to supply and demand in those first Indeed. few weeks Indeed,
0: <laughs> lots of water lots of food and lots of sorry i can't do that i was busy feeding the baby <laughs> yeah absolutely
1: get a get a really good um
0: binge watching series
1: ready on netflix yeah
0: <laughs> so good <laughs> all right Um let's anyway. move on to the four to six month mark what are we going to see there
1: yeah so i mean i guess the big one to talk about in this stage is the regression progression whatever you want to call it (laughs) um look like I honestly believe it's both it's a progression that causes a regression like Mm, yeah you you can't tell there probably billions of mothers on the planet who have all said that at that stage my baby sleep went backwards that it doesn't happen and the truth is It's the only regression that's actually caused by sleep developing, like it is actually their sleep cycles maturing and developing. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge, huge like brain development, brain growth. So it is only natural Mm -hmm. that sleep's going to fall backwards. Like I I talk about it as like, you know, when you go and you have like one of those really, for anyone who was like corporate before, (laughs) um, you go and you have like one of those really big corporate all-day meetings and at the end of the day you're just like, I'm pooped. toast. Mm. I'm out and then you go to sleep and you're awake all night mm. trying yeah. to process
0: all of yeah. the things. Like that's what our babies go through every day. Yeah. It's a lot. It's like huge. we we see it as them like looking at this fucking rattle and we're like god I'm so bored and they're like oh my god look at this rattle like this is yeah. the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. Like we yeah. need to remember they've never seen removed. this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And oh my God, it moves that way. And how the hell did it do that? And oh my god, what is that color? Like, you know, they don't know any yeah. of this stuff. They're learning all the time. And yeah. it's a lot for them. So at the four month mark, we've also got a pretty decent growth spurt in there. Yeah. Um and there's a I lot of other yes. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of other um developmental stuff going on. Like if you watch them through that four month mark, like especially if you're not horribly sleep deprived, it is yeah. actually quite amazing to watch how they wake yeah. up. And they like their they really yeah, they just oh, learn. It's no like one can see learning. me moving my hand,
1: but yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Emma's watching her hand.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: um, it's like it is general, genuinely like they are going from like that potato newborn kind of phase yeah. where they just don't really see much happening to (laughs) yeah yeah to like this you know little little human and their personalities start to come out and like there is quite a lot going on here so it is normal for their sleep to go askew we're not going to go right into the regression because we do actually have another episode coming later on this season on regressions where we will deep dive into those but during this period it is very normal like especially if your child if you were one of those lucky ducks that had the newborn that was sleeping eight nine hour stretches Mm -hmm. it is quite common at this point that they will go back to two hourly um yeah. you may see some, some split nights in there you may see some false starts in there you may see a child get quite clingy and need a lot more of you um so you know that that is all considered again normal yeah. um that's it and, and even at this
1: stage as well some people start to see the early signs of rolling yeah. um which you know my kids it, were it all rolling by now sweet. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And we're looking at
0: unswaddling and, yeah, like we're starting to look at, at things like that. Like the dummy might become a bit of an issue now. Um, yeah. there are again, and these are the things that sleep consultants who are good at what they do will factor in if you do yeah. contact them and say, like, hey, I'm struggling at this age. We'll go, oh, four months sleep progression. Like, is your child rolling yet? Have you on or do you have a yeah. dummy? Okay, like house feeding. Answer yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and you know, and the other thing that starts to happen around that four to six months as well is their appetites are increasing. As you said, yeah. like there's a huge growth spurt. And it depends on who you talk to. A lot of the medical industry will have this big push to start solids early. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we know and a lot of people know that their gut is actually still way too, way too um, underdeveloped or immature yeah. to be mm-hmm. starting solids. But it does mean that they may wake for extra night feeds. Yeah, um, I find particularly food. with boys,
0: um, mm-hmm. I'm yet yeah.
1: to find a boy prove me wrong on this point but they are hungry little buggers yeah um and it definitely can mean extra like extra night feeds and extra day feeds i know for me this was when i did need to formula top up because i didn't Mm -hmm. get a great start to breastfeeding Mm -hmm. um but yeah as you get closer to that six months mark um solids are factored into it as well and Mm -hmm. you know so many so many doctors will say just you know oh god put rice cereal in their bottle just start it on solids it'll fix the sleep problem like so dangerous if if, it's so dangerous um if the issue at nighttime isn't that they're hungry like starting them on solids isn't going to do anything anyway but the other side to that is that like solids can disrupt sleep it is a big change for a, a little baby's digestive system to go from digesting nothing but milk to solid food like it's mm-hmm. a learning in itself.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. For sure. And the other thing as well that we also need to note from like newborn all the way up until toddlers is that their sleep needs do decrease. So we yes. do need to be allowing for that, especially in the first six months, their wake windows do widen quite quickly. So we Cute. go from sort of like 40, 40 minutes as, as a freshie to about two and a half hours by six months old. And wake yeah. windows are again, we've done posts on this. Um, they <laughs> yeah, they do vary, but we do need to we do need to make sure that we're growing along with them. Like I had a client about six months back, uh, seven months old, and was still having naps every hour. Yeah. And was napping for like an hour at a time. And they were obviously awake all night and they were horrendously tired. We fixed her nap. She started sleeping through the night. <laughs> and it was like, their yeah. par- and this, this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about, guys, when we're normalizing these night wakes and we're normalizing these constant wakes is that a lot of the time it's so fixable. Yeah. Um but yeah, the four to six month mark, there is a fair bit going on here, and it is it is quite normal for again their sleep to. I don't generally recommend routines before six months, just because things mm. are so all over the place, and there's other things that we should be factoring in than the yeah. exact time that they're having a nap. Yeah, I call them loose um, patterns. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, loose, loose patterns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can definitely start to work towards that to sort of like semi predictable naps. Maybe like you might have a short one in the morning, and then a longer one in the in the at lunchtime, and then a shorter one of an afternoon in saying that it is still incredibly normal for them to be catnapping at this age. I do yeah. find, however, caveat on that, that the kids who catnap well are generally sleeping quite well at night. At night. If they yeah. are, like, having quite consolidated sleep, so maybe only waking up once or twice, maybe sleeping through, if you're very lucky. Um, but the kids who are catnapping all day and are awake every hour or two overnight, I would probably be looking at at help at that point if it was me. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, and I guess on um, a common one that seems mm. I don't even know how long it stems back from is that, like, you know, babies should be sleeping through the night as in, like, 12 hours mm. at six months. Mm. It is completely normal and completely not normal. Yeah, <laughs> 50% totally. percent of babies will be will be sleeping through the night at six months. 50% will not. And I think it's actually higher than that. Normal.
0: I think it's like, it? it's it's higher that they're not they're not sleeping through at but that age. Not. I think it's only like 20% of kids that are sleeping through at six months old or something like that. It's yeah. quite low. Yeah. Like when considering that we hear about it all the time, it is quite the low. Time. The other yeah. thing in terms of night sleep as well, guys, is that people love to push the 12 hour nights. A lot mm. of the time kids will sleep anywhere between 10 to 12 hours overnight. So if your yeah. child is more like a 10 hour and 10 hour night, you will start to see things like split nights or quite fragmented yeah. sleep or early morning wakes. Early so wake, sometimes yeah. it's a little bit like a, what are those? Like a xylophone. Sometimes yeah. we need to like push it in a little bit to get rid of the air pockets so oh, that they stop like waking picordians? up all the time.
1: Yeah, xylophone. accordions. That's why I'm that's looking anyone, xylophone.
0: <laughs> you can tell oh, I'm not physical. I don't think that's what I do as well. They're the really loud ones. They're the ones that you want for your six-month-olds. They love them. Yes, they <laughs> yeah, the God, they do. Yeah, the accordions. Yeah, so sometimes yes, we just need yeah. to kind of like get it in a little bit further so that you're not seeing all that fragmentation, and that comes down to the sleep pressure that we build during the day. But, again, we'll go over that in another episode. So yeah. now that we've, we've determined what's pretty normal for the four- to six-month mark, let's jump to the six- to 12-month age group. This <laughs> one, guys, is probably – I find probably the toughest gap or or group because a lot of people expect for them to be sleeping a lot better by now and a lot of the time they're not. We've got a few pretty big regressions in there. We've got Mm -hmm. the only one that's actually documented is the nine, eight to 10 month one, which is a huge peak of separation anxiety. However, they also start to learn object permeance around six months, which basically means they learn, they are separate from you and you are actually separate people and that you can walk away. And that can be quite quite scary for them yeah we've also got all of the gross motor stuff so like you know crawling sitting pulling up to stand some kids are walking in this age group um yeah, talking walking. like yeah we've got and like so, obviously
1: solids, solids is chugging along
0: yeah solids we've we're, sometimes we're starting daycare we're generally teething in this age group like there is so much rapid brain development At this age, it is very, very common for their sleep to still be quite unstable, to be honest. And even for Um, babies
1: that were quite um, steady or consistent beforehand, mm -hmm. it's actually mm -hmm. quite normal for them to regress back to Mm -hmm. what almost feels like the newborn stage. Yes. Um, I think particularly in that like six to ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's It's big. And the sleep needs. Mm-hmm. um yep. you know yep. i often see that third nap drop at around yep. the seven yeah to eight months, and it's a
0: huge one <laughs> yeah it is and like honestly i find that one can wreak absolute havoc with sleep yes. especially if you've still got a catnapper, right where they're only yeah. catnapping, you can't drop the third nap so they're not building enough sleep pressure so they're awake all night but you're like they wake up at 5 a.m how can i possibly drop this third nap like it becomes yes. this real vicious cycle um it does. And, and like and
1: and I think when you're in the thick of it, you just like there is no way that you could see the forest for the trees. Like no. particularly no. I know as a first time mum, like that was around the time that I really broke. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but when you do look at all of the tools that you can use, like it's because there's so many moving parts. I think that as a mum it's yes. hard to, and especially when you're sleep deprived, it's hard to be able to go, how could I even how could I make that this? Work? And obviously yeah. all anybody ever hears is like, cry it out, cry it out, cry it uh-huh. out. And it has yeah. nothing to do with mm. you know with, with even settling half the no time. Um, no but it is more about understanding okay where are they at and what is going on and mm. then kind of tailoring each individual tool to yes. what is going on for them at the time
0: a hundred percent I always say um to my clients that when you understand how sleep works you can start to manipulate it to work for you and this yeah. is the thing okay and i think particularly in this age group is where i'm really going to say this is normalizing two hourly wakes all the time don't get me wrong when they are regressing or when they're teething or when they're sick or there's something yeah. going on for them it is normal for them to wake up quite a lot for you to see every hour some nights where they're just so unsettled that is normal what is not yeah. normal is for that to be your normal
1: <laughs> yeah if that yep. is
0: if that is every single night and people are telling you you just need to co-sleep you just need to cry it out you just need to do xyz no well, what even you need worse to do, you
1: are co-sleeping and it's still happening yeah
0: that's yeah <laughs> we are definitely going to touch on that because that's that's yeah. another but when we get to our red flags we're going to talk about that yes yeah. But, like, guys, this is not actually normal. Like, humans are not nocturnal creatures. We are not designed to be awake and to be feeding all night long. And quite often what I'll see in this age group is we get reverse cycling going on where this baby, I've got a client at the moment. She's six months old and she was having six bottles a night but was barely interested in her daytime bottles. Like. And, like, and it feels like how the hell do I get them to do it because they're not interested and then they're not going to eat and I'm going to get like they're going to starve themselves and it becomes this big thing when we're so sleep-deprived and it's like, No, no, we just need to drop some of these bottles and it is okay to do that. You are allowed to change things about your child's sleep if it is not working because guess what? You are also not nocturnal. You are not designed to wake up every two hours. (laughs) Like you are designed to sleep.
1: um, You know, and I always say like I guess a lot of the people that I work with, the babies are younger, like the fundamental, those foundational layers of our body clock Mm. are that we are made to sleep at night and eat during the day. Um, now, yes, a baby needs to feed at night, but of as they get bigger and they are feeding more during the day, it is enough to sustain them during the night. And you will generally yes. see those night feeds drop down. Um, yes. But, yeah, it's, if, if it's a situation where it is just ongoing, mm-hmm. um, it's definitely time to
0: get some qualified help. Absolutely. <laughs> and you do not need to, like, you don't need to follow their lead if their lead is not working. Like, it's a, lot, right. it's a lot of pressure to put on a baby to know exactly what they want yeah. to do. Like, they don't know what, what it feels like to be tired. They've got no idea what those feelings are. Like, they're right. babies. They yeah. learn that and much, you know, much later on. I think we have to,
1: you know, really pull back to the fact that, like, parenting is, like, the ultimate role of leadership. Like, yeah. you cannot just kind of become really passive and hand that over to a toddler a toddler absolutely. is going mm. to choose fucking chocolate crackles for breakfast every day of the week absolutely. don't let them lead <laughs> absolutely like all the time let them lead when it is safe to do so mm. but when it comes to things like eating and sleeping mm. it is okay for you to take the lead yeah. um it's just important to start with where they're at and know mm. where they're at and i guess that's why we're talking about this today as far as what is normal and what is not. Um, because if you know like that what you are seeing is not normal and it doesn't feel normal, then it is your job as a parent to advocate for your child.
0: 100%. Don't get onto yeah. Facebook because they'll just tell you to cry it out or co-sleep. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about toddlers. So our one to two-year gap. By now, guys, and honestly, from from when they do drop to two naps, sleep should stabilise. Okay, sleep, it is very, very, you know, doable to get them into a more predictable routine. It might not be exactly the same every single day, but having a consistent wake-up time, a consistent bedtime is incredibly good for their sleep. It's incredibly good for our sleep as well. We should really all be doing it. But the more that we're doing that, the more predictable their sleep will be, which means that they're getting the sleep that they need as a general rule. So when you do have those bad days or those bad nights, it's not going to completely trip you up for weeks and weeks. by the yeah. one to two year mark, honestly, most kids do not need to be feeding overnight anymore. Some kids will still take like a feed, which is fine if that's easier for you to resettle like that. But yeah. and we definitely you... do see
1: um more feeds with co-sleeping. Like that is, yeah, and yeah. I'm not and I'm not dishing it in any way. It is just a normal like yeah, it's it just is. something that we do normally. The studies see.
0: the studies do actually say that mm-hmm. like. Breastfeeding and night waking are correlated. So, yeah. like, and again, we're not judging. Like, we're breastfed babies, and and we found yeah. the same thing. To be, actually, I think my my middle child was breastfed, and he slept better than my formula fed first baby. But my mm. third fed, my third breastfed baby was. She shuddered all over both of them. Um, <laughs> in terms of bad. She was <laughs> yeah. she was a rough sleeper. But yeah, like it's much easier to just whip a boob out. Like it it makes sense when we're not looking at it from an emotional perspective where somebody's trying to attack us. It's just the fact, it's the facts. Yeah, um, yeah and, and again I, and if you want to
1: particularly for a one or in a two-year-old, mm-hmm. they find real safety in routine. And mm-hmm. like routine seems to be like this dirty word that gets mm-hmm. like really, really bagged upon. But kids yeah. thrive on routine. They do. Um yeah. We all thrive on routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for me, feeling like I was in free fall was probably one of the hardest parts of the yeah. first year until I kind of just came to the point that I was like, you know what? I feel good with a bit of routine in my life, my baby probably yeah. will too. And like she was one of those babies who I changed, you know, changed day sleep, changed naps, flipped things around and bang, she was sleeping yeah. through the night. I was like, yeah. oh, my God.
0: Um, so so don't be scared of a routine.
1: <laughs> We're not talking about putting you on some itinerary schedule. Like, It's
0: not military. It's just, <laughs> no, yeah. No. yeah, it's um, just like a little bit more, a little bit more predictability. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and look, it is still normal one to two-year-olds just like, so from around six months of age, the studies do show that anywhere, Up to two to three weeks a night, up to two years old is still considered like quite normal within normal ranges. However, I would probably challenge that between the one to two year mark. I would say that it is more normal to start seeing more consolidated sleep by that age um, or to be expecting that like you could definitely be expecting them to sleep through the night from there. Um, If they're not, you know, there may be reasons for that. You may not be ready to, you know, change things up to the degree that you can get that to, and that is so fine. But if your one-year-old is still waking up like a newborn, that's a problem. Yeah. It's a problem for them because, like, honestly, when we're talking the one to two-year mark, like we're really starting to learn about emotions in this age group, and particularly two to three, okay? And if your child is tired and if you are tired, You are not going to be able to regulate their emotions. They're not going to be able to learn how to do that either. And it's just going to be this absolute shit fight where everybody is exhausted. The toddler cannot regulate. They are throwing way more tantrums, having way more meltdowns. They may not be eating properly because they're too tired. They may not want to play. They may not be doing things. Guys, they are not thriving. Yeah, We should want our children to be at their absolute best. I'm very passionate about this topic yeah <laughs> um <laughs> you
1: know but that comes down to looking after ourselves as well like mm. in that age of understanding that we're separate and that you can leave and mm. you know your person you're, you're your person I'm my person like mm. they're really big scary feelings for toddlers. huge
0: feelings of um, course
1: and we need to be able, to understand them and support them. And sometimes when that means that they're then going to childcare, we're going back to work, mm-hmm. it is going to mean that they're going to want more of us and more connection from us at night time. Mm-hmm. So we can either be proactive or reactive on yes, that. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. know, if we're yeah. proactive, we're getting in that one-on-one connection time. We're watching them and in awe of them while they're playing mm-hmm. so that by the time they come to bed, they're not still yearning for that connection now that can be really really hard to get particularly if you're going back to work you're working full-time and all totally totally if if they don't get it before bedtime that nighttime separation is quite often the longest they are away from us and it, it will cause them to wake more
0: Um, And you'll also probably see a lot of bedtime battles as well. This is where you'll see the excuses going to bed. I don't want to go to bed. I'm hungry. I need another drink. I need this. I need that. I need blah, 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 blah. It's not necessarily because they need that. It's because they're just craving that connection. So if you are seeing that, like again, please know that we completely understand that life is busy, but this is the difference between your child sleeping well and them not sleeping well. And if you can't, If you like, you don't have to do hours and hours every single day, guys, it might just be some intentional, yeah, it's just intentional time where your phone is not nearby, where you're not saying in a minute, babe, like I'm just making dinner. I'm just doing this. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. And that's what they're hearing from us. I'm too busy for you. Which is yeah. like it makes you feel kind of bad, but like you know, some and sometimes we are like dinner does have to get on the table, absolutely. But once yeah. dinner is on the table, maybe like you can organize it so that dinner's ready ahead of time, so that you've just got to like chuck it in the slow cooker, or you've just got to like chuck on some rice or something like that, so that you can go. Okay, the rice is on. Like, yeah. What do you want to play? Like, let's play yeah. for fifteen minutes while dinner's cooking, and then we're going to eat dinner together. We're going to put our phones away, and then we're going to like go outside if the weather permits, and like spend some time together, and then we're going to go to bed.
1: Yeah, that's it. And you know, and like we are all like for all three of us. I know that Connor mm. isn't here today, but mm. you know, you've got three kids and mm. are solo most of the time. Mm. Most yeah. of the time, lots of the time. <laughs> a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I do do I a lot know, of solo percentage parenting. Yeah. percentage
1: split. Um, you know, I've got the two kids as well and we're not coming at this at at a a space i guess we don't want you to feel attacked or anything like that but we know from our lives and our busyness that being proactive on this stuff makes it easier for us and we feel better in motherhood for being proactive about it if we can prevent a meltdown like i would rather spend 10 minutes before doing something and know that they're good and their cups full and my cup's full and i now feel like a good parent instead Mm. of spending 20 minutes later trying to calm that meltdown
0: a hundred percent a hundred percent and yeah like when we're talking toddlers honestly i find the biggest trip ups of their night's sleep you know aside from obviously the red flags which we're going to get into in a minute um is they don't have enough time with us and enough one-on-one connection particularly for your more sensitive kids who are quite in tune Mm -hmm. with you um you're not okay so they're not okay Um, their food is another big one and naps and not enough exercise, not enough physical activity. I think toddlers are supposed to have something like 180 minutes a day or something like that. Like, so that's three hours of, and if you've seen them at the park, you know, that they're fucking capable of that. Like my kids run circles around me all day long. And I'm just like, God, if I could have even like an eighth of your energy, yeah, (laughs) my God. (laughs) But they, they (laughs) do, they do need that. They need to get outside. They need that, that stimulation run, of their yeah. little bodies. Yeah, they need to just run it out. So, yeah. you know, just like, yeah, if, if you're still getting crazy night wakes at that age, that could also be something to, to look into. But look, we don't want to keep you all day. So let yeah. us get into what are some of the medical slash like physical things that could be contributing to your night wakes that maybe need to be looked into. And guys, this is why it is so dangerous dangerous to normalize this insanely wakeful baby because a lot of the time it is either something really simple like a nap routine gone awry gone awry or there is actually something that is preventing your child from sleeping that needs to be addressed okay And,
1: you know, and I guess when we talk about red flags as well, um, I just definitely want to say that we're not coming from a space of diagnosis oh, um, God, no. as a sleep consultant. I mean, yes, we can help you around some of these things and help you get to the right person. But mm. if you are working with the right sleep consultant at the end of their red flag section will be a referral um, yes. unless they're qualified in something else. Yes. A lot of people are. Um, But the first one, I guess, on our list and is actually more common than what people realise is nutrient deficiency. Mm. Um, And this comes from the fact that, like, our food is shitter than it has ever been, like, unless you're buying or growing your own higher quality organic food. Mm. By six months, mum is generally getting pretty depleted of nutrients Mm. and iron Mm. and so is a baby because they're growing at a rapid rate. Um, Things like iron, like magnesium, like zinc, Um, Mm. are probably some of the biggest ones that we would see. And really, really, really fuck with sleep. (laughs) Like there's just no other way to put it. Um, Mm. Something like magnesium has been stripped from our foods. It's Mm. responsible for activating over 3,500 proteins in the body. And yeah. we burn it on a daily basis, even more yeah. so when we're stressed. So yeah, making sure that when we're starting solids, that we're looking at some of those, um, you know, quite simple foods, but whole foods. Like, mm-hmm. let's not get started on rice and cereals. Let's yeah. get started on things that come from the ground. Yeah. Um, And make sure that our babies are getting exposed to as much different solid foods as they can. Um, Yes, they're still going to get a lot from breast milk and they're still going to get a lot from formula. It is going to be their main, um, I guess, nutrient source. But Mm -hmm. what they are starting to get from those whole foods early on goes on to make a big, big difference. Um, nutrient deficiency would be a classic, like a restless baby. Whenever I mm. hear anyone say my, oh, my child does gymnastics at nighttime. Mm. I'm like, bah, bah, bah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those chronic um, split nights where they're awake mm. during the night um, and early morning wakes are probably three of the biggest things yeah. um, that I see with nutrient deficiency. nutrient deficiency. And I'm not talking about like, you know, my baby's been waking up early for a few weeks. It's like, 4am start
0: every day for the last
1: (laughs) since they were born (laughs) yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah um the thing with nutrient deficiency as well is that a lot of the time if you do go to your gp they will tell you that it's within normal even if it's borderline um Mm -hmm. we recommend going and seeing naturopaths or even a dietitian about this sort of stuff just because they're a little bit like again a gp they're they're general practitioners they know a little bit about everything but if you have a problem with the gut or a problem with nutrients we want to go and see somebody who specializes in that so naturopaths dietitians um nutritionists even can probably help in this department and um and most of them
1: that i've ever spoke to their one motto is always don't guess test Um, yeah and it's and quite often they'll be testing stool samples it's not about Mm. blood samples yep um you can work with them online you know, mm. if, like I think if there's one thing COVID did for us, it was make everything accessible. It doesn't matter totally. where you are.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Um, um, well, I might get you
1: talk to the next one, Steph, because you've been there as a mama.
0: Yes, oral function. So this one covers... Um, Ties is probably the one that you're going to see early on. So if you're seeing things it's like your new... Oh God, isn't it? (laughs) Um, I see clients all the time. So the first thing about ties guys is that there are not a lot of people who are actually qualified to diagnose and release these. Okay. So there are a lot of people, unfortunately, it's a little bit like sleep who are talking on this and they have absolutely no qualifications and no business talking about it. Um, I know for me, I, I asked the question when I had my first son, I was like, why does feeding hurt so much? Like it, it is killer it is like he has razor blades in his mouth and she looked in his mouth she's like oh there's no ties or anything so I don't know like you're probably fine I got an IBCLC who are trained to diagnose ties he had a 90% restriction on his tongue which should have been obvious to anybody who knew what they were looking for okay honestly like even I can look in and be like oh yeah I think I think that there's a tie I don't know if it's a problem because I don't know enough about that but like we now know enough symptoms, right? So, like, if we're seeing things like a lot of spilling, we're seeing things like clicking, feeding isn't coming mm-hmm. into place, we're seeing things like um, screaming in you the see. car can be another one.
1: Yeah, you'll see lots um, of, um, like, lots of, like, milk dribbling yeah, out of yeah, their mouth yeah, when they yeah. feed as well. Yes, yeah, so that's
0: what we mean by spilling. Um, yeah, Open like mouth. Vo- yeah, like yeah, reflux can be another another one of these that like reflux is a symptom. It's not actually a diagnosis per mm-hmm. se. Like it's generally yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if there's like there's something that is causing the reflux, um, you'll see things like that in babies who and like they'll probably be feeding quite a lot as well. So tides yeah. obviously they are designed to dissolve. I think it's in the second trimester. So for kids. Work, right? Yeah, yeah, somewhere like that. So if they haven't dissolved, then it's obviously going to cause. Baby grief. Okay, um, it's best to just get this checked by either an IBCLC and make sure, like, lactation consultants aren't generally trained in ties. IBCLCs are, but make sure that you ask before you book the appointment. Definitely so like, ask because
1: yeah. it's even with IBCLCs, it's going to come down to a, a lot of a matter of opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I know I've definitely learned where I am that there are IBCLCs that do believe ties will cause. Issues, issues and there are some that believe if you can just correct the latch you'll be fine yeah. um it's important to know that a tie like the function of the mouth mm-hmm. actually goes on to support the development of the function of the nervous system and if yeah. you can't move your tongue properly that's the anchor of your vagus nerve yeah. which is the main nerve that runs through your parasympathetic nervous system if you yeah. can't rest that you can't mm-hmm. rest
0: yeah. basically and it will it will also affect your airways as well and your breathing and things like that like your yeah. tongue is it designed to, to be on the roof. Um, Yeah. I think I read a study about a
1: lady she was in her 50s and had Mm. a tie release and her Mm. chronic constipation she'd had her whole life. Wild. Crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So and this this will also affect things like um speech and (laughs) eating in in the in the sort of near future. Um so like honestly. If this was me, and this has been me with all three of my children, um, my first were um done by an IBCLC, my second, my second child's ties unfortunately reattached, and I didn't actually realize this. So I went to a pediatric dentist and he re-released them at like seven months old, which sucked. Mm. Um, and I had my daughter done by a pediatric dentist. So honestly, there are in every city. If we've got them in Darwin, you've certainly got them elsewhere. Um, I think, yeah, I mean,
1: the best bet is like definitely IBCLCs, um, asking them pediatric dentists. You've got your myofunctional therapists. Therapists.
0: Yeah. Um, Some of them will, some of them won't. Some of them don't work until they're a little bit older. Um yeah, I know the one if, up here where yeah, not won't, won't do they, it until that's right. Yeah. Um, if they specialise in pediatrics, then mm.
1: generally they will go to yeah. babies. But yeah, ask yeah. the question, guys. Definitely yeah. ask the Just thought, yeah. Even, if- um, even chiropractic and osteos that work with babies are mm. generally um pretty aware of types the oral because functions. obviously yeah. it impacts yeah. their whole body. um and And it doesn't necessarily
0: mean that they have to be released I know a lot of people that manage to move through it or that the people say like hey it's just like a small tie like it's not really it doesn't need to be released but if it's causing issues it is absolutely worth knocking it out because like Em said like and you know it it can cause some issues for their entire Mm -hmm. life I'm pretty sure I've got a tongue tie um just from looking at it like it's you know it's I'm fine but I've obviously learned and the thing is is that when our mouths are tied they don't they don't form correctly, which means that other areas of our mouths will overcompensate. So with my daughter, she did have um, she did have ties, but her cheeks, like the muscles in her cheeks, were so thick, because I took her to an osteopath mm. afterwards, she's like, they're so thick, like there is so much muscle in here and there shouldn't mm-hmm. be. Yeah. Um, so other it's it's a little bit like if you injure your knee, it's not the knee that's necessarily the issue. It's like tight tight muscles in like your thigh and your hamstrings and things like that that will overcompensate Mm -hmm. to make up for that our bodies are amazing at working around things and they will learn to work around them but you know it can also interrupt quite a lot yeah um next one here is airway obstruction this is another biggie and honestly this one makes me fucking furious because yeah. both of my boys, both of my boys snore. They both mouth breathe. I have taken both of them to E.N.T.s. They've done their sleep studies, and they're like, "No, we're not going to take their tonsils out." And I'm like, "But they're snoring." Okay, first, guys, snoring is not cute. No, and it's not it's normal. Not cute. It's not normal. Maybe they the should baby not that snoring. catches flies. Yeah, not maybe that catches flies.
1: Not cute, guys. Yeah, no,
0: it's not. <laughs> Red flag. Um, yeah, so with with airway obstruction, we're talking um, obstructive sleep apnea. So this basically means that they are not breathing properly while they're sleeping. Now, this is obviously a massive fucking issue, okay, because they need yeah. to breathe. Pretty important. Yeah. And and it's um,
1: important, I guess, with um, with apnea as well to talk mm-hmm. about the fact like newborns can be quite often diagnosed with yeah. apnea. You'll see them. Yep. They will have their oxygen um, tubes and mm-hmm. their tanks. Um, mm-hmm. This is not obstructive apnea this is generally central apnea um they grow out of it which is obviously still just as um as important to diagnose and to be all over as obstructive apnea the thing is obstructive apnea is quite often not diagnosed and completely missed and yes it's the ramifications of it. like I mean, yeah. yes, as you, you know you're talking about now, like they're you know they're not breathing properly, they're not getting the oxygen that they need. What that does for someone and for a small child long term can yeah. be catastrophic. Yeah. Like we're talking about them not getting the air they need while they're breathing.
0: So yeah, breathing's pretty important. It is, it's pretty up there. Yeah, pretty up there in terms of things. So with these kids, you might be seeing things like snoring is a big one. Obviously, if you can hear them snoring from the hallway, that's a problem. Um, yeah. You might see them like gasping for breath. Like they're, you know, like just if you've been underwater for a little bit too long and you yeah. come up and you're like, <gasps> like, like you startle might startle when they wake. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You might be seeing things like that. You might be seeing long pauses in their breathing. Um, you no, might wake up tired. Yeah, yeah. even if they've had an adequate amount of sleep, um, yeah. they they have actually linked like obstructive sleep apnea is quite common in kids with ADHD um, yeah. and autism and things like that. Yeah. Those things that tend to be co- comorbidities. So kids who are on the spectrum in some way do tend to have things like that, as I've just learned in my course. Um. Mm -hmm. so that's quite common as well but the other things that you may see quite a lot are like recurrent ear infections recurrent bouts of tonsillitis recurrent things in the ears nose and throats area yeah yeah, where they're just constantly getting sick so if you are seeing things like that um when you do take this to your GP, because a lot of GPs will poo-poo it. Unfortunately, I did experience that as well, As despite, like, especially as a first-time mum. They tend to really love fobbing first-time mums off as just worry warts. But I had three kids and I still got fobbed off. Um, yeah. So taking in documents, so going like my child, you know, snored all night, four nights last week I filmed it this is what they were doing if you've got something like a cubo or an outlet sock if you can like take in the data from that just get as much as you possibly can um and go in and sort of list your symptoms like yeah they wake up really tired we're struggling like a lot with when you're getting to sort of more like your two three four year olds um the biggest thing for for us with our middle child was that he was having horrendous temper tantrums Mm. He was so angry all the time, and like a bit of anger is normal, obviously. But like you know, he was throwing tables and shit. Like it was hectic. Mm.
1: Um,
0: even though he was getting an adequate amount of sleep, and I was like, "What on earth is wrong with this child?" Um, yeah. if it wasn't like the sleep they, quality, no. Um, if yeah. they are like yeah, really tired, they're falling asleep in the car at like four years old. You know, they're like they yeah. can't They'll often get like the
1: real dark bags, bags mm. under their eyes as yep. well yeah yeah
0: um things actually we've got the rest of our stuff is sort of like um easy stuff that you can do but i think the other thing we've forgotten is um intolerances and allergies
1: yeah um, i was just going to say with airway obstruction just one thing is when you're going to get your referral research the ent's that are around yeah you first there's mm, um, sure. it, no point in going and seeing an ent that specializes in ears if airways mm. is your problem for sure. um it's no point in going to see an ent that specializes in Adults. If you're looking at a child, Um, so when you do get your referral, like you don't just get a referral to an ENT, you will get a name and a doctor. um, And if you have got a doctor and an ENT that you would prefer to go and see, make sure that it's their name
0: on your referral. Absolutely, and make sure that the GP has noted all of the things that you've come in and said as well. So when you do take um symptoms in like that they do actually have to note every single one of them on the referral so it's going to make you seem a lot less like the boy who cried wolf and a lot more like a mum who actually knows a shit yeah um intolerances and allergies so this is another one that gets missed quite a lot so if especially yeah. like sort of in the first six months i would say so um much. but honestly i've got a friend she's got a 12 month old who's just been diagnosed with a lactose lactose dude um, my
1: husband's just been diagnosed dairy intolerant yeah He's wild
0: wild <laughs> um yeah so it can definitely happen a lot later but if you're dealing mm-hmm. with things like that again there's a big difference between intolerances and allergies a lot of the time if you just have an intolerance and you take them to a doctor you are going to get fobbed off okay they don't yeah. really care unless they're getting hives they're you know like you know, foaming at the mouth or like their tongues are swelling, like they're having those anaphylactic reactions.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, and I mean, intolerances quite often fly under the radar and people kind of go, oh, well, you know, they're not that bad because they're not allergic. It's The only difference is the immune response. It's Mm. what the immune system actually does. It doesn't mean that the effect it's having on the child is Mm. any less. Like the symptoms of an allergy might be less than an intolerance. Mm. Um, It is all just about those markers when testing. So an intolerance won't even show up in a test, but it could still be causing things like blood in their stools, mucus, vomiting, reflux. All of these things can still happen Mm. um, with intolerances. And I think probably one of the most common ones we see now is dairy.
0: Yeah, big one, big one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like it's uh, my, my first, my second child rather was dairy intolerant. My daughter was intolerant to like six different things. Um, and we were very lucky. We have a naturopath in Darwin who can actually test non-invasively, but I think a lot of them can do it with hair. Um, if you are in a situation like I was with my third baby, where there were multiple intolerances, it would have taken me yonks to figure out. But yeah, if your child is incredibly unsettled, really gassy can also be signs Mm -hmm. of like ties, oral dysfunction or intolerances, um, things like that. It is absolutely worth looking into. I would definitely recommend going and seeing somebody about this one guys like you can start food diaries and try and work it out on your own but honestly it's a long fucking road and it's really difficult to work out um but a lot of them do can test via distance I'm pretty sure um yeah I think because it's not actually
1: um so it's not actually like your naturopath or dietitian who does the testing they send it off to labs yeah um so it's just a matter of sending off samples yeah. Yep. But Absolutely. I mean, but I mean, let's be honest, with most of the specialists now, when you book an appointment, you're not going to see them next week. Um yep. unfortunately, yep. um so you can book that appointment and then start keeping a food diary. So then at totally. least by the time It'll you help. get there you've got more information to help you. Yeah.
0: Yep. But things like that can definitely cause sleep and they're probably the four most common ones that I see. Um yeah. I don't really often get uh I don't really often get the really simple ones that are just like nap nap scenes and sleep environment things anymore I often get the kids that do have yeah intolerances or things like that and like for me now it's really obvious because I have lived it but b have also yeah. studied it in depth and we've spoken about this multiple multiple times um yeah I think like the the thing that is a good one to finish up on here is if you're co-sleeping and people will co-sleep reactively when their children are mm-hmm. quite wakeful. And that is so fine. And if you are a co-sleeping family, we love co-sleeping, okay? Like my yeah. two and a half year old is still in a floor bed and I go in and co-sleep with her when she's having a rough night. Like love co-sleeping to get through. However, if you are co-sleeping and your child is still waking up every hour, every half an hour, screaming their heads off, all of those sorts of things, there is something wrong. Okay, yeah. they should not be doing that. If they are co-sleeping and they are going from like waking up hourly in the cot to sleeping through the night in bed next to you, it's probably just a baby that wants to be close and that is so fine, so normal, totally fine. But if they are waking up really regularly still, please look into it. Please don't be please don't be told that some babies are just shit sleepers and that you just have to wait it out and you just have to be there for them. Like honestly, this may sound a little bit harsh, but being there for them is actually investigating what is causing the issues and helping yeah. them to fix it. Like that's, that's, our, that's our role as parents. It is our role to protect them and to make sure that they're thriving, not just surviving. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And if you feel, and you will always know, like mm-hmm. from the day your child is born, like you are the expert on your baby mm-hmm. and the expert mm-hmm. on your child. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows the ins and outs of your situation like you do. Nope. And if you don't feel like it's right, follow your gut follow please. your intuition. That is why you've got it. Mm-hmm. Um, If you don't like the first answer you get, get a second opinion. Yeah. Um, But yeah, always follow your mum gut because it's the biggest yeah. gift that you could have. Yeah.
0: And to close off here, guys, please go to the right person because, you know, a lot of the time we go to the GPs or our health nurses we speak to them about it we speak to our pediatricians at the end of the day these guys are amazing at what they do we are definitely not taking away from that but they are not sleep specialists they do not have training in sleep um if you had heart problems you go to a cardiologist if you've got bone problems you you or like muscle problems you go to a physio you go to a bonologist, like, <laughs> you, go to a bonologist you go to an osteo yeah. or no not osteo i can't remember what they're called. I should know this. I love Grey's Anatomy, whatever Callie Taurus is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like if you've got those sorts of issues, you would go to a specialist. If you are having problems with sleep, go to a sleep specialist, okay? Like yeah. especially like, you know, again, not to toot our horns, but we are quite across the things that can interrupt sleep and a good consultant will be. If a, yeah. if the consultant is just telling you to you know use cry it out and just to change naps and that's the only problem. They're not screening for red flags. Go to someone else. Um we mm. do have an incredible Facebook page that is attached to um to this little this little shindig called the feel good parenthood group I think it's called it is in the show notes. We do we are all in there um court and myself and we also have about 10 or 12 or more maybe amazing sleep consultants that we do actually train inside the Sleep Coach Society we do actually train other consultants on this stuff because it needs to be more common knowledge they are all in there we are all there because we are incredibly passionate about helping people about changing people's lives we are not just there to wham bam thank you ma'am kind of deal we want to make actual impact on the world and those those women are in there and they are so willing to help with your questions so if this is something that you are struggling with there is help out there there is people who are not just going to tell you that you need to suck it up that you need to just be a better mum, that you just need to co-sleep that you just need to sleep train there are people out there who can help you get to the bottom of things and actually actually get your child sleeping um so thank you so much for joining us today. This has been quite a long one, but we hope it's been a really enlightening <laughs> one. Um, if you've loved it, we would love to hear from you. Like, Please review, please message us on Instagram. We love hearing your wins. Join us in the Facebook group. The um, Like I said, the link for that is in the show notes, or you can also reach out to us all personally. We all absolutely love hearing your stories and chatting to you. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And we'll catch you next time. We will. And that is a wrap on today's episode. If you've enjoyed the chaos and laughter as much as we have, don't forget to hit that follow button, share with your besties who need a good laugh and give us a like.
1: And don't forget to check out our Feel Good Parenthood courses where we tackle all things toddlerhood and sleep. Our Facebook group is open and ready for you now too. Show notes have the deets. Until next time, keep rocking your parenting game and remember, you are doing an incredible job.